psychics find me. This is Kelly Snyder with Valerie Graham and Find Me, Police Psychics and More, produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. Today's guest is Dan Baldwin. And uh, just a little bit of a repeat, uh, the Find Me group is a group of retired law enforcement. We do have a couple that are current law enforcement 110 psychics currently, and it seems to be growing every single day. And uh, we have 25 search and rescue dogs, and currently we are in uh, the state of Washington uh, searching for a missing person. So uh, welcome to the show, Dan. Glad to have you. No, glad to be here. Well, Dan, we're really glad you are here. And uh, I want to say that we're also watching the chat line on Hear Women Talk com and feel free to come on. You can ask questions and hear comments, and we'll answer you live. And those of you who might have a question today for Dan can call us or for Kelly at 914-338-1186, 914-338-1186. Kelly, I know that it has been written that Dan Baldwin, of course, is on the team of Find Me, and that he has the least ambiguous of psychic skills, and namely that you are a dowser, Dan. Do you do you agree with that? That it's the least ambiguous of psychic skills? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a dowser, and the technique goes back, you know, thousands and thousands of years. So it, it may be uh, one of the oldest, also. Does it just give you a yes or a no or a here or a there? Is that why there's not so much yeah, doubt? that's the only way you can make it work. If you're working a, uh, I work with a pendulum, which is basically a rock on a string, and you have to ask the questions, yes, no, uh, either either of type questions, yes, no, up, down, back, forth. You can't ask multiple uh, multiple choice questions. What uh, when you're when you're doing that, Dan? What are you doing it over? Is it a a map, or is it you know, just asking questions, looking for movement? When you first start on a case, for example, uh, what exactly are you doing? How do you how do you start your session? Yeah, that will be that will depend on the situation. But as a general rule, I try to uh, meditate for five or ten minutes just to get centered before I do anything, and then I do what I call praying in, and I just ask for help. And to people who are aren't religious, I say, well, ask for help to uh, the universe or the spirit or whatever, the great power or whatever. If you're not into that, ask uh, you know, your subconscious. Just help me do a really good job. And then I start asking questions. Well, when you're when you're working on a case, for example, you're, you know, say, let's just start it out with a murder case. And yeah. you know that there's a dead body. Now we're looking for the suspect. What, uh, after your meditation, which... To some degree, you know, like you said, gets you centered and balanced and ready for the session. But uh, to some degree, it also sounds like what most of the psychics do—they're they're meditating and they're, you know, taking time to get centered just before they start their particular procedure. So is that similar to what you do? And uh, 
Yeah, I and think if it's, so, I think then, it's almost universal. Regardless of the skill, we all take a few minutes just to clear ourselves and to connect. But what I do at that point, I start asking questions. Say we're looking for uh, uh, Mr. X. I want to ask, is Mr. X, you know, alive? And, you know, the answer would be yes or no. Uh, we know it's a murder victim. Say the body has been found. Or, uh, we're, we're trying to find, say the, the body is missing. Is that what we're looking at? Well, like, for example, Mark Stover case, the one we just got back from mm -hmm. uh, looking for his body in uh, Washington State. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Christy Smith, our... Uh, yeah, she's still up our, there. She's still there. She's got at least one more day. We... Uh, we should be finalizing it today, and of course, we're hoping that you know she finds something today. But that case is okay. you know still in trial. You. But say you know ninety eight percent, if not ninety nine point nine percent, it's guaranteed that this Mark Stover guy is deceased. So in that particular case, you worked it. How did you start on that one? Okay, that, in a case like that, which is fairly common, I end, end up map dowsing. What I do is I say, "Is Mark?" Uh, I say, "We didn't know where he was." I'm saying, is Mark in the United States? Break that down. Northeast quadrant, northwest quadrant. Break that down. Is he in, uh, say, Oregon or Washington? So I would get a yes on Washington. At that point, I would get probably an atlas out and break the state down into quadrants. You know, or uh, is he north of this interstate, east of this interstate, and break it down further? Well, you knew he was from you knew he was from Anacortes, so you wouldn't yeah, necessarily yeah. Yeah, I'm start. Saying, I'm assuming we didn't know that. This is how I would get to Anacortes. Okay, well, that's my point. You don't just yeah. start where you know he's from. Uh, you still broaden it just on the chance that his body and or he, uh, alive or deceased, was transported to a different area. But could we transport it? Or if someone fell in the water, could be naturally transported. True. Yeah. So anyway, you now basically through yes or no questions, you narrow it down to a very narrow area, and at that point, I uh, go on to uh, Google Earth and try to get within, you know, as as a, which is our goal. I try to get within a few feet of the target. You've been quite accurate with that, haven't you? Um, I tend to be extremely accurate or extremely way out base. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. Well, you told you told when a very cooking, interesting you told an interesting story, Dan, when we had chatted earlier about a time that there was actually almost a crosswire where you got the information correct, but yeah. it was actually for a different case, and that was a a fascinating story of Texas and Santa Fe. I I'd love you to to share that with us. Okay, yeah, we were working on the case someplace in Texas. And I was getting, uh, through the pendulum, I was getting very specific answers. I mean, I was getting, again, this takes a long time, but I was getting specific street numbers, specific street addresses. I was getting names, uh, directions of travel, clues like, uh, you know, a Volkswagen car was used. There was a sign with a big T on it in the, on the side of the road. There was this type of industrial building on that side of the road. And when the case was finally solved, none of that fit. I mean, not a bit of it. I said, well, okay, I just had a bad day. Uh -oh. you know, psychic, psychic work is like anything else. You have good days and bad days. Six months later, I'm visiting a friend in Santa Fe, and I tell him that I'm involved in the psychic work. He says, we got to take a look at this case. And he, we went down to the, the local uh, store in the corner, and we got one of the posters. And everything I had found about the Texas case fit precisely the Santa Fe case. So I was yeah, wasn't that... Wasn't that Dan? It was one was a boy, and then the actual Robbie case Robbie Robertson was one of them, I think. That's it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. We were looking. At, I believe we were looking for a little girl in Texas, but I was picking Correct. up Robbie Robertson. Yeah. So where do you, where do you figure that 
you know, it was 100% accurate, but how do you think the, the wires got crossed? Any ideas? On something like that, I haven't a clue. It could have been just simply that uh, while I was working, uh, I had a feeding thought about Santa Fe. You know, I have friends up there. So you might have just focused over there. Just as simple as that might have put the, the brain focus up there instead of over in Texas. So you're looking for this rock on a string, this yeah. uh, and and some of the dowsers I've seen have some really elaborate uh, rocks on strings, some of them that are, you know, very costly. But what is it telling you? I mean, how, do, how does it work? You're standing yeah, there with what, a what string I would like to bring out a, uh, Excuse me, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm just, just curious what, what you're actually looking for. There's, there is a technique. You're looking for left, right, circle, all mm-hmm. these different things. So, you know, tell us what the... Uh, what the little rock does and gives you the clue that sends you down the path. Okay, yeah, something I would like to bring out is there is no magic in the rock on the string. Right. None whatsoever. It's, it's just literally a rock on a string or a piece of wood or a crystal, whatever. Uh, the magic, put that in quotes, is in the subconscious mind. And what happens is when you swing the pendulum, your conscious mind focuses on the pendulum motion. And then your subconscious is uh, alive to... Uh, work on the actual case itself. You can tap into whatever it is we're tapping into out there. So uh, the general rule is a circle to the right is a yes answer. A circle to the left is a no answer. And then if you get a back and forth movement, you need to rephrase the question. So it's as simple as that. Right as is as correct. And it's time consuming. Well, yeah, because yeah. every single question you have to wait for the rock to do its thing. And and you're not you're sitting there as motionless as possible so whatever is happening is you know based on everything i've ever heard is is based on energy and you know the outside entity whatever that is uh is coming through to the rock which is the energy to try to give you the correct answer is that somewhat close to the truth yeah and people should know that the the actual movement of the pendulum is caused by physical motion of your hand by the muscles in your hand uh, it's not again. It's not magic, but what is making those muscles move is your subconscious mind tapping in. Okay. So you're tapping into that whatever we tap into, going through your subconscious. Then it goes through your hand, and that's how you get the answers. Well, of course, you know the dowsing. When you said it, you know, it was something that took place years ago. Uh, you know, back then, what were they essentially looking for? I know that there used so, to be dowsers for water and and. Give me some other ideas of what, you know, when this whole thing started. Yeah, we have uh, woodcuts of uh, silver and gold miners back in, say, the 1300s Europe. And it's clearly dowsers. They're using the old willow stick, but they're looking for gold and silver. And it's my understanding they have drawings on the, not the pyramids, but Egyptian uh, artwork that shows dowsers at work. So that so is a long, long way back. So I figure anything that's hung around that long, there's got to be something to it. Well, in your yeah. American in your American society of dowsers, they, apparently there was a neuropsychological study on brainwaves that said that the human body has a direction-finding ability built into it. How do you feel about that? Well, I ask my wife about our vacations. So do you don't think that maybe vacation, the, that, that helps you with dowsing if you can <laughs> tap into it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah but all she's do. ever looking for is uh, Starbucks, isn't she? That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we're going <Anyways>, <laughs> to... I just wanted to uh, 
you know, stay with that thought. But uh, one of the things I did want to sort of find out about is what is the biggest challenge, you know, whether it's a missing person or, um, you know, a person that has uh, been murdered and you're trying to find the suspect. So with that thought in mind, we're going to take a couple minutes for a break, Dan, and we'll be right back with you to uh, hear women talk with Dan Baldwin. Dowser. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jessica Dorvaj, host of the Where Is My Guru show, and you are listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. The definition of guru is to lead from darkness to light, and one who is regarded as having great knowledge, wisdom, and authority in a certain area, and who uses it to guide others. Join us on Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Where Is My Guru show, where gurus from the areas of art, travel, creative activism, wellness, and the spa share their infinite wisdom and maybe a glass of wine. Fridays at 3 p.m. right here on Hear Women Talk Radio. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit at MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Have you always wanted a reading by a famous psychic detective or medical intuitive? I'm Annette, hostess of Annette Martin's Psychic World, where you can call in or go to our chat room to get a free reading on my radio show. Our expert guests will be talking about ways to help you in your life. So give us a call and ask a question. Please join us every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Annette Martin's Psychic World. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and Hear Women Talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention Hear Women Talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari. Safari Jeep Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari Jeep Tour. Hi, my name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Psychics, find me. Welcome back, everyone. This is Kelly Snyder with Valerie Graham, and our guest today is Dan Baldwin. Uh, Dan Baldwin, I should say. And uh, when Thank we left you. Dan, we were we were talking about the biggest dousing challenge uh, mm-hmm. question. But just before we we jump into that, uh, 
Valerie and I were talking a little bit about your background. Val, what an extraordinary uh, background, Dan. You have been uh, very much on the scene in many ways. You're a writer, a co-writer, a ghostwriter, and you've written, I understand, more than 40 books in that manner. And you've won awards, uh, National Art Directors Club first place, National Ad Agency Network 100 Best Award of Excellence. But what's so interesting is that your books, of course, vary. Um, You have books like Be Money Smart, uh, Secrets of Millionaire Real Estate Developer, The One Minute Meeting, and and all the way, of course, you uh, were writing uh, with Kelly the book Find Me, which is out. Mm -hmm. So you have this vast experience. You ran your own Baldwin Enterprises advertising agency, and now, along with all of that, you are a dowser and on the Find Me Psychic International Network. So this is a real interesting background, a very impressive background. Uh, folks, I haven't Thank even you. touched most of what uh, what he has done, uh, what Dan has done, but how did you well, come to this? We can't talk about, we know. Uh-huh. I know, we only have a limited time, Dan, you know, <laughs> you just can't do it. But how did you come to this and to Kelly? Um, I refer to myself quite frequently as a psychic on training wheels. I came to it very late. Most of our members have been uh, have known they were psychic or had the ability since they were children. And it came to me rather late. I was uh, I take walks in the evening and, and I kind of uh, dump the trash from the day just to get it out of my system. And I'm not a clear audience. I don't hear voices. But one day I heard fine missing children. You know, clear as a bell. And uh, I thought either I'm nuts or I'm getting some kind of command here. And, uh, you know, I sat on that for about three months, and the, the, the nagging feeling wouldn't go away. And I said, I'm supposed to go find missing children. And then one thing led to another. I said, well, the psychic way, I don't know why, but the psychic way is the way I ought to travel. So I ended up uh, finding the pendulum and then meeting someone who led me to Kelly and, uh, you know, find me from there on out. Kelly, how did, what was your first encounter with Dan? Well, when I was trying to start this thing... Um, you know, back in uh, 2002, I was still with the National Center for Missing Children, but wanted to get some kind of a, uh, you know, a, a thing that we could bring to the table to uh, equalize everything with the criminal out there who has the advantage. And because of that, I always wondered if this psychic thing worked, and that's pretty much how it had happened. I uh, reached out, tried to find a psychic, found one, and then talked to that person. And and once I talked to that person, uh, that person knew Dan, and we had a second meeting to sit around and figure it out, try to see which way we wanted to go, mm-hmm. what direction. And, uh, and that's pretty much how it started. Very, very simple, but everyone was interested, and Dan told the story mm-hmm. that particular morning, how he was hearing these voices. We really do need to uh, go in and uh, and try to find missing children, and that's how it started. We were just going to work on missing children, and and then of course it evolved into missing adults, homicides, and and where we are today. But yeah. I noticed we uh, we had a caller. Um, that uh, is the caller still on the phone? Yes, yes, yes he is. Right this here. is Luke. Yes, it yeah, is. Luke, go ahead with your question. Hello, Dan. How are Kelly? Kelly, how are you guys today? Hi, I'm good. Great. Um, fascinating show. Uh, I had a question for Dan. Uh, Dan uh, actually assisted me on a case uh, 
uh, last year in uh, in uh, the state of Maryland. And when uh, Dan provided some location information on potential location of the of the remains uh, after the case was was solved, basically, and the, the remains were found, it turns out Dan was within 10 feet of um, where this young woman was actually murdered. But it was at a 90 degree, uh, pure 90 degree angle off from the uh, from the from the uh, point that, that we use as a reference. Mm-hmm. So my question for Dan was: Have you noticed, Dan, in your technique, that sometimes you get these uh, very precise angles that uh, it turns out to be more correct than the, your first uh, your first location? Uh, I'm not sure about your question. There angles. Right. Uh, well, let's say let's say you have a you have a starting point or a reference point, and you you've doused the location, uh, and the, the the true location it turns out to be later at a at a complete angle, like a ninety degree angle or a forty five degree angle from your reference point, mm-hmm. but the, perhaps the same distance. Has, has that has that ever occurred? Well, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah, we'll do a case, and I'll be say we do latitude and longitude. And this has happened several times. I'll be like 100% on, say, latitude, and then maybe a mile off on longitude. Okay. And uh, I, 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 you know, chart that up just to, to you know, having good days or bad days. Right. Uh, so you haven't uh, have you you haven't developed anything to try to to try to prevent that from happening at the start of a session or anything like that. It just uh, it's just good or no, bad. No, I just ask for uh, you know 100% honest answers and. Uh, you know, try to do my part. If, uh, the the information that comes in is always accurate. It's my interpretation. If there's a problem, it's in my interpretation, not the information. Well, keep in mind too okay. is when you're looking at Google Earth, you're you know the actual spot that you push the uh, cursor down on. Even though that is 100% accurate, the uh, the distance that you're seeing this particular location from could be off anywhere from you know quarter of a mile to a mile just because you're seeing it from a satellite so some places right. that are really crystal clear and then there's other places that you know we're we're searching on Google Earth through the system and uh, it's not as clear and and not as defined but Luke that was a great question I appreciate yes, your call thank in you. and uh you yeah. wonderful show folks yeah thanks a lot I would like Luke to send me thank any follow up information on that I remember the case very clearly if he has any further I'd like to hear about it uh, certainly, you you came within ten feet of the oh, spot where this girl was murdered. Okay, I'll take that as I'll take that as a hit. Dan, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a hit. <laughs> I would too. I would too. Dan, I found a bicycle. Uh, well, uh, we're we're still we're still trying to to gather the uh, the search uh, for for that particular case, but I'm very confident. I'm very very excited about the locations you provided to us on that. Okay, thank you, Luke. Dan, we have another question on our chat line from MJ. She wants to know who is giving the answers to you when the rock circles or moves. Is it your higher self or what is it? To me, it's, uh, I refer to it as higher self. I believe in higher powers, and that's, uh, that's what speaks to me. Well, you once, once described the dowser consciousness as a kind of a language that sounds like John Lennon's lyrics. Do you remember when you said that? All you need is love. I don't believe I said that one. Maybe somebody <laughs> quoted you. It said you described that uh, lapsing into the language. Well, do you... Well, I'm not very lovable. Ask Kelly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and based on that, I mean, all you see is love. Uh, 
that one question when we were taking a break, uh, I did want to hit that really uh, before we go off to another break about the uh, the biggest challenge that you have as far as the biggest dowsing yeah. challenge that is. And, and the way I would look at that, maybe this is not the direction to go, but is it easier with, you know, say a murder case versus a missing person, or is that really have nothing to do with the challenge of, of dousing. Okay, you want to answer that now? Yeah, please. Oh, okay, yeah. The biggest challenge for me is just being remaining neutral. That's the hardest part. Say you're looking for this uh, beautiful little three-year-old kid, and you want that kid to be alive, and it's very easy to ask the question, is this beautiful little three-year-old kid alive? And it's very easy to get a yes response because, you know, that's what you want. So your, the muscles in your fingers respond, and you get a yes response. So you have to keep yourself neutral because the kid may have passed on, and you know, the, the true answer may be no. And, and how, do you, be, how do you prevent that? I mean, how do you stay on track? One, I focus very hard on being neutral, and I try not to think of any type of answers. And I, every once in a while I'll stop and clear myself, you know, get rid of all preconceptions. Let's start fresh. Let's go into this. And also, uh, as a dowser, you can track your answers. You can say, you know, yes or no, ourself, am I right or am I wrong? Or you can do a percentage chart, you know, what percentage am I accurate on that question? Well, uh, you know, I think your your technique is the same regardless. I think, you know, yeah. you pretty much hit on it. It's, it's uh, right on the money as far as, you know, let your mind be open so that the correct answer comes through, and exactly. and if it's meant if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. So I noticed we had another call from Dawn. Uh, if Dawn's on the line, uh, go ahead with your question. Hi. Yeah. Hi. hi, Dawn. Okay. Um. Hi. My my question is that there's an awful lot of um, great people on this planet, and then there's a few that are not so good, and there are a few that do things that. They shouldn't do, um, mm-hmm. but they're good people, you know. But um, now, how is it that I mean, there there are people that are good. There are people who are um, psychic. There are people who are not psychic. But about how many people are have that gift that you have? Uh, first, I think everybody has psychic ability. I believe everybody has it within them. It's like anything else, you have it to certain degrees. And as far as dowsing, that's just the, the, the technique that works for me. It might be something else for somebody else. Crystal balls. How, or, how uh, does somebody find that? How does somebody discover their gift? That would do exactly what I did. Just start experimenting. I started out with uh, tarot cards. And one day I saw someone uh, at my favorite bookstore, and uh, they were doing a pendulum. I said, I could do that. And I tried the pendulum, and uh, that's what works best for me. Well, not to mention oh. there's quite a few books out there, Dan. Uh, I'm not sure if you wrote a book about dowsing, but I, I know that you've taught dowsing. Yeah, I teach a course. Exactly. So, I mean, there is a way to start. And, you know, sometimes well, what yeah, happens... Go to any metaphysical bookstore. Well, what happens, I think, Dan, uh, is in the middle of while you're trying to douse and while you're trying to figure out if this is the path you need to take a lot of people and this is for you Don a lot of people will find out in the middle of you know trying one technique that they find out that there is something else that they're really good at and it seems like the universe or the energy pushes you in that direction anyway so the only exactly. way to figure out the only way to figure it out is i guess i'm sure Dan start. would agree is just start do start something and see if uh, there's something there 
But yeah, uh, that what was said is absolutely right because that's exactly what happened to me. I started over here and ended up over there. And well, that you was a came, great you question. Came, you came ahead, from Don. a very different background. Dan did. Don. Came from a yeah. very different background. Go ahead, Don. What was your question again? Yeah. Okay. What, what made you? What inspired you to go this deep into? I'm going to call it your religious belief. What? Um, what inspired you to go this deep into it? I mean, I know that there there are a lot of people that are studying uh, white witchcraft or uh, mm -hmm. white magic, if you will. But um, to go to the level that you are, to be able to uh, help find victims—that's that's really, really. Yeah. Well, one thing uh, the, the pendulum. Yeah, the pendulum has nothing to do with religion. The pendulum is nothing more than a rock on a string. There's, there's no magic involved whatsoever. And my involvement is I just I have felt the calling to do this, and I'm following the calling. And we'll see where it goes. Well, anyway, we're going to take a break here, you guys. Dawn, thanks a million for your yes, call. Yes, thank and, you. Uh, Dan, we'll yeah, be back you. with you in a little bit. Uh, and uh, see you in a couple of seconds. Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. This is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest-growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. That's galore. Visit our store at 4822 Highway 17 at Barefoot Landing. We have the largest source of hats in the greater Grand Strand area. Tilly, Stetson, Indiana Jones, Wallaroo, Top Hats, Mad Hatter, Derbies, Felts, Fedoras, Cowboy, Golfer, Driver, Life is Good. We carry a large selection of women's fashion hats as well as Red Hat Society hats. We also have an assortment of umbrellas, canes, and walking sticks. Hats Galore, located at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach. We are the best source for hats in the Grand Strand area. Hats Galore at Barefoot.com. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone? If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code HWT. Hi, I'm Annette Martin. My show, Annette Martin's Psychic World, is all about you. Call or use chat to talk with my intriguing guests or ask me an on-air psychic question. 
Every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, we will have an expert with words of wisdom to assist you with your life. So sit back, relax, and listen to Annette Martin's Psychic World on HearWomenTalk.com. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Police psychics, find me. Welcome back, everyone. This is Kelly Snyder with Valerie Graham. We have uh, Dan Baldwin as our guest today. And uh, just before we left for our break, uh, we had an excellent uh, series of questions uh, from our caller, uh, Dawn, so I do appreciate the call. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get involved in, uh, Dan, uh, is some of the cases that you've worked on locally where not only did you you know, douse and the in information is provided, but we actually, in, in some of these cases, matter of fact, quite a few of them, we actually went out with our uh, sister agency, Arizona Search, Track, and Rescue, and searched for the individual based on your information and the others. One of them that comes to mind is a case about, I think, three years ago, somewhere in that vicinity, a guy by the name of... Um, Palmer, I think is for I can't remember his yeah, first Darren, name. Was it Daryl? Darren. Okay. So run that by because uh, that one was extremely significant and uh, and and I'll tie it up with what you brought forth to the table with your dousing and then a couple of the other members of the group to where we tied the three different sets of information and and went to the spot and there he was. Who so, were I the mean, other two, Kelly? Well. Um, one of them was a local uh, member who's no longer in the group, so I'll just uh, uh, leave her name out for, mm-hmm. for for this particular thing. And the other one was a lady from uh, from Australia. Her name is Gabrielle Crofts. Never and, been to the uh, United States. Yeah, she's never set foot in the United States, so oh that's my. what I was getting at as far as the significance. But start out with uh, you know the case and. A guy that was missing um, sent out a couple of letters, which he didn't say he was going to hurt himself, but it was pretty obvious with the family that this is what was going on. So uh, they contacted us because the police would not go and look for an adult. An adult, as we all know, can go anywhere they want, and there's no reason for alarm unless they leave a letter or some indication they're going to commit suicide or they're going to go kill someone or do something with a bomb. Otherwise, the police... It's not that they don't care. It's just a case that they don't work, and uh, that's nationwide. It's not any particular police department. So anyway, Dan, on that set of circumstances, go into what you did to prepare for that. 
Okay, yeah, I love this case because it shows how uh, our group actually works together, uh, you know, how all the little pieces of puzzle come together to form a complete picture. Uh, you have a better perspective on this, Kelly, because you were in the center, but uh, the, as I remember, we got a notice that this guy was missing. He was an avid hiker, camper, had a four-wheel drive, and that he was someplace in Arizona or Colorado or Utah. Or well, Mexico. he just said he was leaving town. Yeah. He was not, he was not going to come back. Uh, he had been, you know, recently divorced, and he right. was having issues with his job. And essentially, the letter, even though it didn't say "I'm going to go and kill myself," uh, pretty much everyone, the ex-wife and the family members, uh, were really concerned because the letter, "I'm not coming back." What does that tell you? I mean, yeah. it means you're not it's coming not back positive. to Phoenix, or you're not coming back not to positive. whatever. And uh, so they all thought that he was going to commit suicide, and we we needed to find him right away. And we got the call on day number two or three. So mm -hmm. I sent out an email to all of the members saying, "I need your response now, immediately." So I, I remember you uh, you were one of the first or second or third, doesn't matter at this point, uh, coming through with the information. But it was extremely significant. Do you remember what it was? I went into map browsing and did the elimination, you know, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, what I got Arizona, and did my thing, you know, got down, 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 smaller, smaller areas, and finally broke out my topological maps and got a specific uh, back road, specific number back road, and that he was, I think, 50 feet to the west of that road between uh, two specific markers one mile apart. So I said, you know, if you go to this road between... I say the low water bridge and the next bridge, walk 50 feet, find him. Well, there was one thing that you said, I recall, and this is off top of my memory yeah. bank here, but it was uh, something to do with Bear Creek Canyon and something to do with a forest yeah, yeah, road. Bear, 84. Yeah, yeah, Bear Lake, yeah. Was it Bear Lake? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we narrowed There was a Bear Lake and there was a Bear Creek Canyon, yeah. Well, and, and you said you go to the end of this uh, forest you know this forest road forest 84 road, yeah. which incidentally you had two numbers one was 84 one was 89 and the irony there is it started 89 ended up 84 but at the end of it where a dead end mm -hmm. was uh, someone's private property and then of course that's where he was located the significance of the other two members was uh, one said definitely in the Payson area in the general vicinity of what you were talking about but Gabby out of you know, out of uh, Australia, said uh, to take a gravel road, and there was red striping around all of the trees that were in this general vicinity. And, of course, no one at the time could figure out what that was. It ended up being, when the search team went there and they found him uh, deceased, it was paint that was painted across all of these trees in the general area that the homeowner and uh, and the Forest Service had labeled trees they wanted cut out of the area. The Forest Service was doing it for, you know, their control it uh, circumstances and issues. And, uh, and that's what you saw. Well, and then the homeowner was cutting these trees out, you know, to create a bigger area for his horses and uh, and raw land. But the cool thing about that particular case is literally within a day and a half, uh, the body was located and uh, it was all based on this information, literally, between these three psychics that uh, when you're getting something that comes together based on what the search team is telling you, 
they had the gravel road there was a forest road 84 that started out forest road 89 turned into 84 and at the end of it was uh darren palmer unfortunately he was deceased and nothing we could have done really would have saved the individual even though we didn't know that because he had actually uh committed the act uh, about exactly the same time as we got the phone call so we were about two days late but uh but at least you found him well again we had yeah. you know for the family we yes. brought closure for them yes for the police department, which was the sheriff's department in that particular community, uh, found the body based on the homeowner, saw this tent sitting on his property, went to investigate the tent, and and uh, there was the body. And literally three hours later, our search team pulls into this area, and uh, even though our search team didn't find it, we were sending them there, which unfortunately was a two-and-a-half-hour drive from where we were sending them. So... It was just a matter of, was he there? Were, were we accurate? We were 100% accurate. We just didn't get there in time. The homeowner uh, found uh, Mr. Palmer uh, deceased on his property. But that's the kind of teamwork that I was talking oh, about. Yes. Uh, Ke- Kelly, someone uh, on our chat line, MJ, asked, what percentage is Dan accurate if he's tracking? Of course, in this case, I don't know if you ever did that. Dan took a percentage. I know your hunches have yielded some very concrete mm-hmm. results, and in this case, you were 100% accurate. Do you care to comment on that question? I don't keep track of percentages. I just try to do the best job I can as I do it. So I don't, what do I mean? And one of the problems is we don't get we do not get feedback a lot of times from the authorities, so we don't know exactly how accurate the whole group is. Well, and that. You know, it's not so much as keeping track of your percentages as much as with the psychics, and we've discussed this in other programs, Mm -hmm. to some of the psychics in the group, not necessarily Dan, but uh, getting this feedback uh, helps them in in, uh, trying to do a better job by knowing what mistakes that they made and uh, where they were accurate and where they weren't accurate. Dan, along with all the other members of the group, almost all of them, keep copies of all of their reports because then when we do get this feedback we uh, I send the feedback to all of the members so that they can see what they did right and what they did wrong and again I think I mentioned in earlier shows that I'm not keeping a scorecard you know of what is right or wrong within the the membership uh, if someone is wrong in the membership then that individual member needs to look into why they were wrong but also on the flip side of that if they're right then they also need to look at that because when you're right it's critical to note down as to why you were right so that you can continue to do the good things and be right more than you are wrong so um, anyway I noticed we're looking at a another two-minute break here dan but uh we will as soon be as back. we uh, get back we'll uh we'll continue and uh and, and also all of our listeners hang in there and kelly if ahead. anyone would like to call us it's 914-338-1186 or you can get on the chat line at hearwomentalk.com look forward to hearing from you
Hi, my name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, this is Kay Van Hoosen, founder of Hear Women Talk. Every Monday, you can return to love with Jen Ward and Genuine Healing. Jen is an empath, a healer, and an intuitive, and Jen will show you how to remove blockages, heal yourself, and feel love. That's Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and Hear Women Talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention Hear Women Talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari Jeep Tour. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advance tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Hi, I'm Annette Martin. Have you had a psychic experience or encountered a ghost and don't know how to explain it? Visit with our exciting guest each week and give us a call on Annette Martin's Psychic World, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Call or drop into our chat room at Annette Martin's Psychic World on hearwomentalk.com. Attention boppers, shaggers, and swingers, join us at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for the fast-paced excitement of the Swing Syndicate. Study the swing styles of Jitterbug, Double Time, Lindy, West Coast, East Coast, and Show. Sure to be a big hit on the Grand Strand. That's the Swing Syndicate, Wednesdays, 7 o'clock, at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, 1030 Possum Trot Road, Wednesdays, 7 o'clock. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for Here Women. Talk.com. Police psychics find me. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Kelly Snyder with Valerie Graham, and our guest today is uh, Dan Baldwin. We were discussing uh, Dan's practice of using the pendulum and just got done discussing about the case with Darren Palmer. One of the other cases I wanted to touch base uh, with you on was the Ed Hatfield case, which right. was about three and a half years ago. And uh, also the Marcy Randolph case, the significance, uh, and we've talked about this on other shows, but... Uh, uh, you had mentioned it during one of our breaks, uh, Dan, about not charging for what we do, and uh, yeah, we've made this crystal clear as to why we don't do that. But uh, give us a little bit of your take on on uh, on this philosophy that we've created over the you know since we started the started the group back in two thousand and two. 
That's one of the first things that we, we, we all decided on way back when was, one, we're not going to take reward money, and two, we're not going to seek individual publicity, which weeded out a lot of people really quick. Well, one of the cases we were talking about earlier, the Marcy Randolph case, uh, that uh, we spent a little bit of time talking about last week, and I think even the week before, but uh, uh, while we were actually in the process of spending money out of our own pocket doing all of these searches and going into the areas that we thought, you know, we were going to be able to find the aircraft, and uh, you know, dangerous we, areas on my yeah, this uh, the family of Marcy Randolph were being uh, hit upon by outside psychic people that were coming to them and saying, I'll help find your daughter, that'll be X amount of dollars, and uh, it's just probably one of the most distasteful things that uh, I think any psychic can do. It's one thing to use your business and your abilities to find someone, you know, that uh, is lost because of foster care or this, that, and the other, or find out who your soulmate or you're going to get a job next week, but when someone's loved one is missing and possibly dead because of a catastrophe, then uh, that's just something that uh, rubs me the wrong way, and I'm sure it does you also, oh, yeah. Dan. Oh, yeah. Can't stand it. And indeed, well, anyway. in, indeed uh, Kelly, all anyone has to do is to contact www.findme2, the number 2.com, and it has a contact information, and there is no charge at any time. And that's important for people to know. Well, you know, exactly. And in, in the Marcy Randolph case, uh, as, as you know, the the everyone in the world was looking for this particular aircraft. We flew 413 flights looking for it, mm. even though almost every psychic in the group was saying, you can't see this plane from the air. The plane is down. It crashed in a ravine. It is underneath the canopy of all of the trees in the general vicinity, so you can't see it from the air. And later on, that was proven to be 100% accurate. So that goes the one back thing to that was significant, yeah. The and I think you're getting in, in early, early on the case. Well, the that and the you know we were providing at this particular point in in uh, the group's uh, life of the group that uh, we were looking for GPS coordinates and not, yes. you know, you can't say the plane crashed in a ravine in a mountainous area in the canopy of trees because that is, uh, you know, what is it, 10,000 acres of the the uh, northern part of Arizona. So obviously that wouldn't help the police. But uh, uh, on that note, Dan, um, Ed Hatfield, remember that case? Uh, never forget that one. Well, that one was one that all the, the cylinders, you know, were, were clicking on that particular case because we did give the information to the psychic members uh, at least, yeah, at least 10 or 12. Well, 10 or 12 of the members, uh, we were looking for it real quick. It wasn't one that we had a ton of time because we thought possibly we could find him alive. And uh, I remember your, you know, your information... Uh, was a little bit off as far as distance, but still in the same area, still deceased, and I don't remember what else, but uh, bring us up to date on that one, if you would, please. Well, on that one, I had, uh, I did my map dancing, and I got the, the correct canyon where he was found, and I got the correct side of the canyon where he was found, but I was, I don't know, half mile, mile off as far as distance is concerned. And then when we got there and got out and actually looked at the place, I said, he's going to be there at that point. Which may not be psychic. That might have been just common sense, but that's where we found him. Well, yeah, and and 
uh, and a lot of our members were closer than I was. Well, yeah, I mean, it was 350 yards from uh, mile yeah, marker. Almost to the yeah, I almost mean, to was, the foot. Well, exactly, and uh, and the significance of that case is the the psychic information, and then we had our search and rescue uh, partners out there with us, and uh, literally in 45 minutes from the time the dog teams went out, uh, we got a call, and uh, uh, we had found him, unfortunately, once again. Uh, Mr. Hatfield was deceased, and again, you know, it, it's something that it was, I think, nine or ten or eleven days later that we actually went on the the second search and, and located him, but it's just one of those things that you go out there with a positive attitude, hoping that you're going to find someone alive at the on chance that they're alive. And we found him deceased, but again, another case closure. In this particular case, the uh, son-in-law and the the uh, daughter-in-law of uh, uh, the deceased were were on the scene along with the uh, the deceased, a really really close friend, and. Uh, so, you know, we never allow the families to go out on the searches with us, but in this particular case, we allowed them to come to the command post, and uh, they were notified. And, you know, closure in the sense that they are able to retrieve, you know, his body and have a funeral and, mm-hmm. and uh, in that regard. And then, well, of course, that, you know, cer- that certainly helps. Um, yeah, I would like to bring out that this is not really a lark, if somebody's thinking that. I mean, these people, we drove two hours, got there before sunup, and, you know, searched all day long in the uh, hot Arizona weather in a snake rattlesnake preserve trying to bring this case to a close. Well, Dan, a bunch of questions have come in very quickly. Uh, one is, uh, Nancy asked on the chat line, did Dan work on the Loretta Bowersock case? And Reverend Brock asked if you teach classes on pendulum or dousing. I think we worked at Bowersite case, didn't we? Well, we did. I just don't know what your involvement was. I don't remember uh, when we were talking to Dave Campbell last week. Uh, he was Dave involved. Dave got us with. Yeah, he was involved from his um, astrology point mm-hmm. of view, Forensic and, and also his psychic uh, abilities. But uh, yeah. we came within a half a mile of locating her, and you know, I don't remember. I think it was partially terrain and partially. Uh, other obstacles in our way, but we ended the search, and then unfortunately, or fortunately, two weeks later, they found her body literally a half a mile from where we were. Wow. And had we just continued in that direction, uh, we would have located her, tripped over, yeah, or whatever. We were but that day, weren't we? It, yeah, you, you, yeah, we, we only had one there, dog. Yeah. Yep, we only had yeah, one dog with there. us that particular day. So but, that was uh, really something to be so close. Anyways, what was the other yeah, question? Yeah, the, the, other que- the other question was whether you from Reverend Brock was whether you teach classes, Dan, on pendulum and dowsing. I know yeah, you found an- ancient Indian habitats and mines and all kinds of fabulous things as well. Do you take people with you? Uh, no. I use that. Uh, one, I, teach, I do teach a course that's called the Practical Pendulum, and it's, it's, uh, I stay out of the metaphysical and pretty much this is what it is, this is how it works, this is how you do it. And looking for things in the desert, uh, you know, searching for a lost mine and stuff like that, I uh, I use that as an exercise, try to hone my skills. Do you teach that only in Arizona, or do you have an online course? Or uh, No, that's an in-person thing, so it's whenever you know, I have to go someplace. Well, one of the things we could do is anyone that is interested in uh, 
in contacting Dan. If you would, just uh, email us through our website, www.findme.com, and uh, I'll make sure Dan... Uh, you know, get your request, and then uh, hopefully somewhere in the near future, Dan, you can put a class together for those that are interested. So, what, what is and how, lo- how long is your course, Dan? Uh, it depends. It runs usually uh, two hours. I, have, I can't go three hours. It depends on the need of the the, the venue. Okay. So, so it's hours. a simple course. It's not week and weeks and weeks. No, 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 no. It's, 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 I, when I say basic, I mean it's actually basic. But you come away from it, you'll know how to do it. I've got you. What's the strangest thing you ever found when you were looking for the Indian habitats and all that? Um, Well, just normal stuff. I found a few sites. You know, you can find rectangles in the ground that were once uh, somebody's habitat maybe a thousand Mm -hmm. years ago. I found, uh, you know, artifacts, things like that. Did you ever find a mine? Big pardon? Did you ever find a mine, like a gold mine? I found one, yeah, uh, last weekend, as a matter of fact, out knocking around in the southern superstitions. It's a great way to practice the skill. Do you have requests to look for the real superstitious, you know, superstition gold mine, Jacob Waltz? Uh, no, I don't, again, I don't do this for monetary. Yeah, someone just asked about how about the lost Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the rumor oh, yeah. is he's lost, isn't he's he? He's really lost, yes. Yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention before we took off uh, for the end of the show uh, is uh, you're, you wrote and co-authored uh, the first Find Me book, and uh, and aren't you in the middle of something else uh, on the Find Me uh, second book? Right, we're working on the working title right now is Son of Find Me, but it's a second book. <laughs> it's about all our cases. Uh, and we're gonna. It's gonna be interesting because we have our successes. But we also have a few failures in there and a few open cases. Well, and that's the key component. You know, we're not saying we're perfect. We're not even suggesting yes. that we are. But we do try our very best on each and every case, and uh, that's the whole reason we do this. We're not doing it for anything other than love. Uh, we don't make any money on this. And uh, anyway, Dan, um, I yeah, did. It'll be a fascinating book. I promise. Well. Well, the I, cases, I it'll be more cases. The first book is terrific. And uh, how I'm a unique group of psychics took off. Yeah. But so will anyway, there be more yeah. cases in that in, in oh, this next book? Oh, there's going to be tons, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. We're thinking at least 20 cases uh, that will be uh, brought to the attention of everyone. But yeah. I wanted yeah, to thank you. Thank you a million uh, for joining us today, Dan. And uh, Absolutely. Appreciate it. And... Um, Looking forward to book number two. Coming your way. So is Dan, right? So is Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Dan. This has been very interesting, and I know other people on the chat have written in. And and again, if you have any questions for Dan, www.findme2.com. And we'll be back with you. Love love your pets. Yeah, absolutely. Kiss your dog. Wasn't that it? Kiss your dog on the lips, Val. On the lips, that's right. Thank you, you Kelly. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.